Just Our Real Estate, episode number 145. I've seen people shoot too high in the seller's market as well, and the same thing happened. They overshot by a lot. But <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> because I, you know, sometimes a good market isn't good enough for people, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on another episode of Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and I am happy to be with you here today. Guys, I've got a good interview for you. It's an interview that I actually did a while back, and it was with a fantastic, fantastic uh, real estate investor. And I know a lot of you haven't heard this one, and I just thought it was it was so good. I wanted to bring it back, and I wanted to share it with you and make sure that everyone has heard this interview because it's with a really great investor and someone that I really, really have a lot of respect for. So I want to play it again for you. It's a great interview. Please, please take a listen. If you've never heard it before, this is going to be a real treat. If you have, it's definitely worth a listen again. So sit back, Take a listen and enjoy it again or for the first time for most of you. Okay, here we go. I am excited to have my guest on today. Uh, he is a licensed realtor and he also does a lot of uh, fix and flip, buy and hold. Uh, he's been a licensed realtor since 2002 and has sold over 400 HUD and REO listings in the last three years. Uh, Owns seven long-term rentals that have purchased in the last three years and has purchased over 70 fix and flips within the last 10 years with the help of his father. Uh, we have on the line right now Mark Ferguson. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I, I appreciate you being on. I really do. Yep, nope. It's great to talk with you and I look forward to having a discussion. All right. Well, let's let's jump into it. I want to talk a little bit um, uh, as far as the fact that you're a realtor. A lot of investors are not realtors, as you know. What? Uh, why you a realtor first? I assume, and then an, and then an investor, or did you kind of do it simultaneously? Um, well, I began as a realtor, and my father at the time was doing fix and flips when I began, so I naturally helped him with that as well. And it, they, in my opinion. They go together so well that I suggest any investor who wants to deal in a lot of purchases become a, a licensed realtor. Um, okay. It, it gets me so many more deals being a realtor than if I was not a realtor. Okay. Now, this podcast, Just Start Real Estate, is really about the brand new investor or even people who haven't started yet and just want to get into investing. Um, just let's real briefly, let's talk about the advantages. Why is it an advantage to be a realtor? What, what advantages do you feel that gives you? Uh, one of the biggest advantages is access to the multiple listing service. You know, the general public has websites like Zillow or Realtor.com. But right. they're not updated as quickly as MLS, and they don't give you as much information as MLS. And that it's a huge advantage to have access to that. Um, I can look up sold comps you know, from 10 years ago if I want, which you can't do with those other websites. So it's a great tool for determining values, which is you know the number one key for any investor, is knowing what houses are worth and if they're getting a great deal or not. Right. And then... The second thing is it lets me act extremely quickly. So I check MLS probably five to ten times a day for new listings. And if wow. I see a deal that comes up, you know, most of the time they're vacant, I can go look at it 
you know, make a quick list of repairs and have an offer in within two hours on that property. Yeah, so, and that's really the competitive advantage there because I know you know and I know and, and I want to make sure our listeners know that being able to react quickly to a good deal is critical, right? These things don't stay out. If they're really a good deal, they don't stay out there forever. So that that quickness and that ability to react very quickly is is huge. Yes, and, I, you know, it depends on what type of property, if it's an REO or short sale or even a fair market property, on how the seller will treat accepting offers. You know, some will actually make you wait a week before they'll review them if it's an REO, but others, you know, if you get an offer in there that first day and it's full, full price and cash, they might accept it right then and not give anybody else a chance to get in there. Uh, yep. Especially on short sales, that's where there's a huge opportunity if you act fast to get your offer accepted before someone else. Right. So in real estate, from your perspective, is it ever a bad thing to get your offer in first? No, I don't yeah. think so. Okay. I agree. I totally agree. I just wanted to make sure everyone's aware of that. There's nothing, there's nothing to gain by trying to wait and see what other offers come in. I mean, you just don't know what offers come in, right? So the best thing to do is get in there quick. It may not help you, but it might. Exactly. And it won't hurt you. It certainly so, won't hurt. Exactly. Yeah. The, the pros of getting an offer accepted before, you know, getting into a multiple offer situation are just, it, it saves you money and time and stress. It's, it, yeah, it doesn't hurt you at all. Yep. I totally agree. Okay. Why don't you give me a quick overview of your business as it stands today? What does your business look like now? Where are you focusing your time? Um, well, I have quite a bit going on. I am a, a HUD and REO listing broker. So, like I said, I've sold over 400 properties in the last three years, most of those HUD homes. So I've got a team of eight people who work with me. Um, three of them are licensed agents who work with buyers and take care of buyer leads. You know, a couple assistants, um, a person who does inspections for me and handles contracts. So a lot of my time is spent just managing that and making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. So the REO HUD side of it takes a lot of time. You know, I also go by every property I list, so I do a lot of driving. I put on, you know, 35,000 miles a year on my car. So uh, I also complete about 1,000 DPOs a year, which are broker price opinions that give values for banks, and one of my assistants does most of them. And then we do fix and flips. So we try to do about 10 a year fix and flips. And um, I worked with my father the last 10 years on those, but I recently um, am taking over everything from him this month, actually. So he is just going to be a realtor and sell a few houses, and I'm running the whole team, fix and flips, everything else. And then I have uh, seven long-term rentals that I started purchasing the last three years, and I actually just got my eighth under contract on Friday, so I'm pretty excited about that. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, um, you know, I'm always constantly looking for deals. I'm around real estate and houses all the time. So, you know, that's another plus to having my, my real estate license. That's what I do all day is I'm looking at houses. I, I see the market. I'm seeing deals. So, and then I also have uh, my blog, which I started this year at investformore.com. And, you know, that's focused on my long-term rental business and building passive income. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's most of what I do. 
Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I've been on that site uh, quite a bit over the last few days in anticipation of speaking to you. And I can say, uh, and we spoke briefly before uh, we started the interview, and uh, I'll say it again with all sincerity, uh, your website, Invest for More, is fantastic, especially, like you said, it's focusing on long-term uh, buy and hold. And if that's something that you're interested in or something that you think you want to learn more about, man, that's the place to go. I mean, that, that website is uh, fantastic. Your blog and, your, and the posts are just uh, really high quality, and, and I really enjoyed reading through those. Oh, thank you very much, yeah. And, and I give details, numbers, what yeah. I have to pay properties, how much in repairs, all of that on there. So I... I'm not sure about giving out information. <laughs> yep, and that's that's really what I loved about it too. And I think for people who are trying to learn, uh, theory is great, and you know, just giving general information. But when you start giving numbers and specific examples, that's when it really, you know, really makes a big difference to someone trying to learn. Yeah, I agree. Okay, um, so you told us what you're focusing on and where your business is today. Why don't we talk a little bit about? And I, this is was always interesting for me when I would get a hold of someone who who does real estate uh, for a living, and I would talk to them about how they spend their time. Right, a lot of people who are listening to this have day jobs and they're trying to get into real estate, and they think maybe this is something they might want to do full time. Tell me what a typical day in your business looks like. And I, I realize that no two days are the same. I get that. But um, just generally speaking, how do you spend your day and, and how do you allocate your time? Um, yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love real estate is because it's always different and changing. And my personality type, I can't sit at a desk all day. I have to be constantly doing something different. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that, you know, each day of the week is different, but I, I spend a lot of time on my computer. Computer, um, responding to emails and other realtors for my my um, real estate business. I spend a lot of time driving around, so you know, doing inspections on properties. I have listings as far as a hundred miles away from me because there's no other realtors in the area. So, um, you know, I've got to drive out there and back within 24 hours when I get an assignment for those properties. So that takes up a lot of time. Um, you know, if I see, like I said, if I see a deal. He'll come up on MLS. I am out of the office as fast as I can to go see that property and get an offer together if it works for me. And okay. then, you know, I I still have free time to do other other things as well during the day because I've got that flexibility to make my own schedule. You know, I try to golf once a week during the week. Um, I have my, you know, a lot of it's keeping track of my team. I try to delegate a lot so that I don't get overwhelmed with things. Yep, and I think, you know, obviously, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt you, go ahead. Yeah, family too, so, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm always trying to be home by five at the latest. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And in the beginning, I mean, you're doing a lot of a lot of delegating and managing of people, which in the beginning, obviously, you don't do as an as an investor. You're out there yourself, so a lot of that delegating and, and dealing with your team and making sure they're doing what they need to be doing. Obviously, you'd be doing that yourself, and uh, and that's where people are going to have to start off. But eventually, you know, you do build a team, and and everybody's team looks different, but you build a team and you start relying on people to help you do things, and that's how you scale your business, right? If you had to do every single thing that your team members are doing, you wouldn't get as much done. It would be impossible, yeah, for me to, to do half of what I do or probably less. But yeah, yeah, just starting out, it is completely different. Um, you do a lot of learning. I mean, there's a lot of education in real estate, figuring out contracts and state laws because every state is different. Sure. It's, you know, if I can suggest something is start out with another realtor or another team, to help you learn it will 
make the learning curve so much easier. But you spend yep. a lot of day, uh, you know, working with buyers is the easiest way to get started in real estate. So, you know, showing houses, meeting people at houses, driving around, and searching the MLS for people is a lot of time finding houses for them and, and what would meet their needs. Yep, 100%. Now, that's a good point, actually, when you talk about starting out and working with uh, a realtor or, or, or buyers. What do you see, you know, a lot of people, especially since the downturn in real estate in terms of prices, right? Prices have dropped a lot in the last several years. So there's a there's an influx of new real estate or wannabe real estate investors, and I'm sure you see it all the time, especially being out there as much as you are. What are some of the mistakes that you see some of these new real estate investors make? Where, where are they getting it wrong, in your opinion? Um, you know, I do see a lot of investors. I think there's quite a bit of bad advice out there, but a lot of great advice, too. But um, the, the thing, number one thing I would say is be patient. Because when I find deals, you know, it's, I can't just go on MLS one day and say, oh, look, that's, that's a good deal. I'm going to put an offer on it right now. You know, I am searching every day. And I might go months before I find something that I make an offer on. The good right. deals aren't going to be, you know, there for everybody to pick out. That's if they were, everybody would be an investor and everybody would be making money. So you've got to be patient, and at the same time, you've got to be prepared because you've got to act quick. So it's kind of, you know, I made this analogy in a blog I did about it's like playing baseball. You'll sit out in the field for, you know, 15 minutes, not move a muscle or do anything just waiting and alert. But once that ball's hit, you've got to go all out as fast as you can to yep. make the play. So, um, but patience, I see a lot of investors just jump out there, try and buy the best deal they can find at that time, and they, they don't wait for that really good deal. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more because once they make that decision, uh, a lot of times new investors are so excited to get out there that, man, they're just they're hell-bent on finding a deal. And even if it's not a deal, they'll figure out a way to talk themselves into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's huge and that's important. And, and you know, the, the name of this podcast is Just Start Real Estate, and I try to emphasize this uh, regularly. What I'm saying by just start doesn't necessarily mean just start by going out and paying too much for a house and getting into something that you don't know what you're doing. Just start could mean start that real estate. Uh, start, I'm sorry, start the real relationship building with uh, realtors, with bankers, with other investors. I mean. Just start means get out there and just start the process. And maybe that process involves a lot of education and maybe it involves, you know, meeting the right people and trying to get some advice from experienced people. But, but you just you can't sit on the sidelines and think about it all day long. You've got to go out there and do something. But that does not mean throw your money at a bad investment. And that's what a lot of people do. They, they decide they want to get started. They read a couple of blog posts that may or may not be very valuable. And then they go out there and spend, you know, their, their life savings on something. And it's just not the right house. I know the first house that I ever purchased, uh, I would have lost money. Fortunately for me, the financing fell through and it didn't work out and I was pretty disappointed. Three or four months later, uh, house prices dropped significantly and I would, have, I would have completely lost everything. So it was a blessing in disguise, but I was a little bit too anxious to get out there and buy something. Yeah, yep, I agree. And like you said, there's so much to do without actually buying a property to educate yourself. You know, getting out and looking at properties, talking to lenders, even talking to other investors can give you so much information to help you avoid those mistakes. 
Yep, 100%. And I think the more opinions and the more viewpoints you get, the more of a 360 kind of a view you get of real estate investing in general. Not everyone does it the same. And there's a lot of different ways to be successful. And there's definitely ways to be you know, unsuccessful, right? So the more opinions and the more perspectives that you can kind of absorb, it gives you a better, you know, well-rounded look at the industry in general, I think. Yeah, so you so you do you definitely do uh, the the flips you fix and flip. So if you don't mind, can you walk us through a deal? Walk us through one of your. It could be your last one. It could be one that you just you know maybe the numbers are a little bit easier to to, to regurgitate. But can you walk us through one of your deals that you've done and kind of give some actual numbers for people? Yeah, um, I'll talk about one we just put on the market. So okay. it was a short sale. We bought oh. Uh, two and a half months ago. And, and I'll let you know, it, it takes us longer to get repairs done because we've got six properties going right now. So our contractors have to finish one before they get to the next one. So it takes us a little longer than it might take some people. But it's a short sale. Got my offer in right away. Um, the, they did have multiple offers, but they took our offer because it was cash. Uh, we bought it for $75,000. Um, you know, we have financing in place for our fix and flips, but it's 75% of purchase price. And then we usually just pay the rehab and the down payment ourselves. We, so we spend about 4,000 interest in loan costs through the deal. We did about 18,000 repairs on this home. Um, insurance taxes and utilities are probably about 3,000. Uh, and then I always, every deal I do, I had $5,000 for unknown costs because there's always something that pops up. Yep. So I had that extra 5000 And then also we um, got back $2,000 for the commission because I'm a realtor. Uh, when I purchased the property, I got back my own commission. So we had about, if my math is right, 106000 into the property, and we listed it for 139.9. And in our market... You know, I think it would sell for 130, no problem. I'm, I'm hoping to get a little bit more. Okay, so when you go out there and you uh, list your properties, you you typically list them maybe a little bit high, knowing that you can come down a bit. Is that your strategy? It depends on the market. Um, okay. Right now, we are in a seller's market, big time. Where I'm at, our inventory is really low. There's very few houses for sale that are nice. So I have been pricing them a little higher. In this market, if we were in a more even market or a buyer's market, I will actually price it below what I think the market value is just a little bit because I'm, I'm dealing with the competition. I want buyers to buy mine over the house next door. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, makes it sense. changes on the market. I usually don't like to price them a little high, but the market's just so crazy right now. That's why I'm doing that. Yep. Okay. And that makes sense. And that's that's huge, really, to know, right? Because real estate, uh, the market changes quite a bit. And like you said, sometimes it's a buyer's market, sometimes it's a seller's market, sometimes it's a little bit a little bit more evenly matched. And your strategy, uh, whether you're buying strategy, your selling strategy, whatever, it needs to be reflecting the market that you're in, right? I mean, that's that's really the key, and that's why you have to stay plugged in and, and you have to network and know what's going on. You can't buy houses one year and then three years later think that the market is going to be exactly the same. It changes. So um, you've got to stay up with that. Yes, and you know, one mistake I see is not in this market, but previously was fix and flippers pricing their homes too high. 
and they sit on the market for months and then all of a sudden the market starts declining and they're kind of chasing the market down. Yeah. And once they're, once the property's on the market for three months, people automatically think there's something wrong with it, even yep. if there's not. They say, oh, well, there must be some reason it hasn't sold. So, <laughs> yeah, you really you don't want to chase the market down. So even though I priced them a little high right now, you know, it, usually I would say price it a little lower than you think it should be to get them sold quick. Yeah, I think that's key because there is there is a cost to holding a property too long, right? I mean, you have holding costs. And what you think you're going to make by, by trying to shoot for the stars a little bit with the, the cost of the house, you could eat it up in, in buy and hold costs, right? And then you get that perception that, that on the market too long, that aged listing, as they call it, perception. And now people think there's something wrong and they just shy away from your house. And uh, that can cost you quite a bit. You're right. So I think that little in the wrong market, Shooting too high can can really kill you. Yes, and um, I, I've seen people shoot too high in the seller's market as well, and the same thing happened. They overshot by a lot, but <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> because like, sometimes a good market isn't good enough for people, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so. Again, this show is for the, is for the beginners and for the for the new real estate investors. And you're obviously doing a lot of good stuff, and you're busy, and you're super active, and you've got a lot going on in your business. But let's just say for a minute, someone took away all of your buy and hold. Someone took away everything you're working on right now, stripped you down to ground zero, and you had to start over. How would you go about building what you have now, rebuilding it? What would you do differently? Or, or maybe would you not even go toward the same goal? Would you try something different in terms of real estate investing? Um, you know, if I had to start all over, the first thing I would do is, is get my license. Um, that, that's key. And I, I would go towards real estate. I've done a lot of research and into other ways to invest my money and make money. And every time it comes out, real estate being number one when I do my figures. So I would definitely go towards investing in real estate. The thing I would do differently is start much sooner with my buy and holds. You know, I, I got my license in 2002 and I always had kind of this foggy goal of investing in rentals, but I never actually got serious about it until 2009 and then I actually bought my first in 2010. But I would you know, try and buy long-term rentals as soon as possible and you, if you took away everything, I would try and get into the REO business as soon as possible, too, because that really helped my real estate career take off as well. As an agent, you mean getting to the, re, the REO business? Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay, um, so you would focus more on, on the buy and hold at least right off the bat. That would be something you would at least start off doing sooner than you did the first time. Yes, and I, I would still definitely do fix and flips. There's okay. definitely a lot of money there if you do it right, but... Um, the one thing I would change the most was buy, buy and hold uh, sooner. Okay, and that, that's fair. That makes sense. I, I think a lot of people uh, who get into buy and hold later on in their real estate investing career have, have a similar story where they say, you know, I, I just I, I really wasn't into being a landlord or it wasn't for whatever reason. Maybe the money didn't come fast enough, and they almost always say, I wish I would have done it sooner. It's sort of like... Any other investment, the sooner you do it, the the sooner it's going to pay off, and you know and that's kind of the idea there. So I think a lot of people have the same feelings where hey, it's, I would have gotten into that a little bit sooner. I know I'm the same way too. I can 100% echo that. I started off as a as a flipper. I still really am primarily a flipper. I only have one rental right now myself, and I I am looking at getting more going forward. It's something that I know is going to be a strong part of my business in the coming years. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the buy and hold, like you said, the sooner you do it, the more money you're going to make because, you know, eventually, you know, prices will go up even if you have lulls in the market. But you buy for cash flow and that, the more properties you buy, just that cash flow keeps adding up and adding up and adding up. And then, you know, I refinanced two properties and took cash out to buy even more. So it's just a snowball effect of buying those and increasing income. Yep. Now, real quick, I know this is something that actually could warrant a lot more time than what we have, but I know that your philosophy is to leverage um, your rentals and to leverage what you have as opposed to maybe other real estate investors who just kind of hunker down and pay off one and then work on paying off the next one and they don't really leverage all the equity that they have in these in these properties. You're more on the leveraging side, is that correct? Um, yeah, I have a couple different strategies that might seem to contradict themselves, but I'll try okay. and <laughs> okay. um, All right. I will put, you know, loan as much as I can to start with on the properties. It's usually I put 20% down, um, but I will put all my cash flow into paying off one property at a time. And in a perfect world, I would not do that, but we have so many financing restrictions and lender guidelines. When you get over four mortgages or even 10 mortgages that I pay down one at a time so that I, if I ever have a problem getting more mortgages, the less I have in my name, the easier it is to get more, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, we should make it clear, uh, and you talk a lot about this on your blog, I know I, I've read the articles, is that a lot of lenders will only let you have four, right? Four rental properties. Some will let you have more, and, and I think you've you're working right now with a portfolio lender that lets you have a lot more than that. But if you just go into a bank or, or somewhere, they're going to more than likely have a limit on the number of rentals that you can hold. Yes. The big banks like Chase and a couple others will not loan on more than four. They're just, nope, that's our policy straight across the board. A few banks will do four to 10 properties, but you know, you got to put 25% down. you have a little higher interest rate. You've got to have plenty of reserves, um, very strict guidelines, and you cannot do cash out refinances once you have over four properties either with almost every bank. So yeah, finding a portfolio lender is so important to my business because I can do cash out refinances. And as of right now, they will lend to me on as many properties as I want as long as I have enough reserves and qualify for it. Yep, and that's that's uh, it's really important to know. And if you go to uh, Mark's blog, investformore.com, he does talk a lot about this, and, and I highly encourage you to go there and check out what he has to say because it's uh, it's awesome. It really is. I, I I got lost and spent a lot of a lot of time reading through and just learning a ton. So that's uh, that's something I highly recommend. Now you're out there all the time in your car, you know, as an agent for sure, but as an investor, I'm I'm certain. And you have a, you're juggling a lot. You're an agent. You're doing buy and hold. You're doing fix and flip. Uh, that's a lot to try to keep track of. What can you give uh, the listeners any any resources that you're just in love with that you use a lot and just feel like they're indispensable to you? Could be an app, could be a website, could be anything. But uh, what is it that you rely on in your business in terms of resources? Um, the one thing that really helped me a lot that I only discovered because I started a blog was BiggerPockets.com, and that's. A- website, forum, you know, newsletter for investors, just insane amount of information there. And I've, I thought I knew just about everything and investing, and I've learned so much in the last year that I had no idea about from that website. 
Um, so that's been fantastic. And then as far as my day-to-day life, um, Dropbox is a huge um, thing for me. It's an app on my iPhone, and I can take pictures of my phone, upload them to Dropbox. Everybody on my team can log in and see those pictures instantaneously from their phone or their computer. So I love that app. Yeah, I agree. I, I use the app as well. And you're right. Sharing, you know, this, this information with your team, you know, if you're not a realtor, showing it to your realtor and uh, just, man, it, it is great. It's a great way to share files. And, and I think if you're not using that, um, you're going to you're going to use it eventually. As soon as, you, as soon as you try it, you're never going to go back because it just makes things so much easier. Yes. <laughs> and one other. Okay. I love. Yeah. yeah. Too. It backs up my computer and I don't have to worry about it crashing. So what is it called? I'm sorry. Say it again. Carbonite. Yep, Carbonite. Okay. Backs up everything online, and I can access it too from other computers if I need to. So that's a nice one to have. Okay. Yep. I've I actually heard a lot about it. I've never tried that myself, but you do like it. Now, is that there's a cost for that, right? Obviously, it's not for free. Um, is it is it a, is it a manageable cost? If you don't mind my asking. I think it's like fifty dollars a year. Fifty dollars a year. Okay, to back up everything on your hard drive. I mean, that's ridiculously uh, cheap and worth it. Yep. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what? I, like I said, this went by fast, and I really am, am super excited that you were uh, willing to come on and talk to me. Um, you've done a lot. You're doing a lot, and I know you're going to do even more. You mentioned uh, BiggerPockets.com. Uh, I know you're pretty active on there as well and uh, have quite a following. I, I suggest that people go there and check you out. And like you said, re- look around and read the forums. There's just a ton of information on there that uh, is extremely useful and I think very beneficial. Um, you can get just a, a world of education for free on there. So I, I suggest that people go on there and check that out. Now, any other last parting words of advice for real estate investors, specifically new real estate investors that basic, based on this conversation are so revved up to get out there and go, that they're literally going to leave as soon as they turn this off. What, what could you tell them as they walk out the door? Um, educate yourself as much as possible so that you are 100% ready when you find that first deal. Yeah. So many investors find a deal and it takes them two or three days to get a pre-qual letter or a proof of funds or figure out their figures and the property's gone by the time they're ready to make an offer. So yep, come, come loaded. Yeah, be ready as soon as you can. Absolutely, get the fi- I mean, get the financing in line for crying out loud. If you, it's the worst thing in the world is finding a house and not being able to find the financing. <laughs> I, I learned that pretty early on too, and it's 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 miserable. So get that taken care of. And if you can't get that taken care of, uh, there's no point in making offers, right? Because you don't want that reputation for someone who makes a ton of offers and never closes. Right, and many banks won't even look at your offer if you don't have a prequal. So yep. you can't submit an offer even if you wanted to, if you aren't prequal on many properties. Yep, 100% right. All right, I appreciate your time, Mark, and I'm going to let you go. But I want to just tell people one last time uh, that they can find you on your website or on your blog at invest for more, and that's invest in the word for, not the, the number for. So investformore.com. They can they can uh, talk to you and get a hold of you on Bigger Pockets for sure. Uh, where else? Any place else you want to direct people to try to find you? Um, yeah, if they want to email me, you know, I always answer emails. So awesome. Info at invest for more is the best way to do it. And it's the number four spelled out just so people aren't confused. Yep, 100% right. And then, yep, you can find everything we talked about on this show at juststartrealestate.com forward slash Mark. 
Ferguson, and I'll have all the resources we talked about, ways to get in contact with him. Um, you know what? We also we I want to mention too. You have a book on Kindle, correct? Uh, yes, I actually just published my first book two days ago. So, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I want to mention that. I, I have a note here, and I almost uh, missed it. It's called How to Buy Real Estate at Below Market Value, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, definitely go check that out. Uh, I think uh, I was reading uh, the reviews and reading the descriptions. I mean, just more fantastic information. Uh, really looks awesome. So I, I highly suggest people check that out. And you can get a hold of Mark, like he said, uh, various different ways. We're going to have him in the show notes. And, yeah, thanks again, Mark. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I had a great time. And um, yeah, I look forward to working with you here again. Great. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, one last thing before we go. I would just like to ask, if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're really getting something out of it, if you think it provides value, then please go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. It helps me out a ton. It helps me reach more people. It allows me to help more people, and that's really what I'm trying to do here is help people. I'm trying to answer questions and and provide as much value as I can. And the best way for me to reach more people and to really provide value is for you to go and give me a rating and review. iTunes puts a ton, a ton of weight on that, and I really would appreciate it. Until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. 